Welcome to the CMB Fantasy Football League Podcast. Welcome back into another edition of the CMB Fantasy Football League Podcast. It is Tuesday, August 7th, episode 87. Zach, how's it going? Doing well, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Zach, 87, come on. First person that comes to mind. I know you know this one. Tyrone Calico. Tyrone Calico, number 87. Yes, sir. I don't, I'm, so I see you on the webcam. We're, I know, we're I, doing this remotely. I, I don't have my jersey on. I failed. I should have had my jersey. I honestly forgot he was 87 because I didn't even list him here as my 87s. Are, should we just should we start over and call this the Tyrone Calico edition and you act like you knew and you know that's an important player? No, let's just add that in later. Okay. Uh, but the, the first 87 that came to mind for me, best tight end of the game, maybe the best all time, Rob Gronkowski. Come on, listen to. Gronk, through eight seasons, hasn't even played – he's only played two full seasons of his eight years so far. 474 catches, 7,180 yards, 76 touchdowns. I mean, come on. Okay. Uh, the second best tight end in football right now, Travis Kelsey. You won't even mention his stats. They're nowhere near Gronk's. And then, Zach, this may be the weirdest jersey kind of combination we've had in a long time. So this next 87 – this is considered the greatest hockey player currently in the game. Three-time Stanley Cup winner, two-time Hart Trophy winner, the MVP of the NHL, Sidney Crosby, whose birthday is today, 8-7, which is, this Whoa. is episode 87. Whoa. Whoa. Guess what year Sidney Crosby was born? 1987. 1987, how Whoa. weird is that? Whoa. This is, this is some inception right here. Kind of getting weird. Crosby's played 864 games and has scored 411 goals, 705 assists, and is the bane of all Preds fans. Wow. I also got another crazy stat for you. Do you want to know Tyrone Calico's career receptions? Is it under 100? Yes. Oh, man, that's sad. Is it 87? It is. No, nah, it's 42. Oh, <laughs> if it would have been 87, we should have just shut yeah, the podcast down. You're really weirded out, but yeah. yeah. 42 receptions, 501, four touchdowns. Episode 87, I, you know, it's here. Zach, this, we, we've had a podcast, what, five days ago? We had the last episode 86. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we're turning it up now because it's getting close. We're oh, yeah. Fo- football's back. And with that, let's talk about the best part of our week. Best part of waking up is soldiers in your cup. Zach, what's the best part of your week so far? Well, I mean, it's only been a few days, so I don't really know what's been the best part of my last six days. I mean, you were—you told me you were at the fair tonight, right? Yeah, the Putnam yeah. County Fair. Yeah, we went to the fair, and Winnie had a blast. Um, wasn't really anticipating. Um, buying one of those little armbands or stamps where you get to ride all the rides you want, but that's what happened. And uh, Winnie was, she was loving life. So uh, yeah, that was was the best part of my week. Yeah. Mine again is one of those best worst parts of the week. Um, Best part. So Friday night, uh, a good friend of mine that I worked with, he is taking his family on an Airstream, kind of doing the Nathan and Marissa Moss thing. And they're going 
they're touring the U.S., going to all the national parks in their Airstream. And so they left for this trip. And before he left, he sold me his 4Runner. So I got a new car. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What yeah. Well, it's a little older, so it's a 2000. Um, but it's, you know, four-wheel yeah. drive, yeah, awesome. limited packaging. I'm excited about it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been the best part. The worst part is all of the kind of hurdles you have to go through when you buy a new car that I totally forgot about. Yeah. Uh, especially living in Davidson County, I have to go do like an emissions test and all this stuff. It's just, I, I'm not even driving it yet. Right. So what did you go, what did you come from to get to the, what was your last car? I had a Volvo uh, S60. So oh, just yeah. a little, little yeah. town car. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty excited about this. I'm gonna, you know, going on road trips, things like that. Oh yeah, you you, you have a forerunner, don't you, Zach? We do. We love it. Yeah, so excited about that. That was probably the best part of my week. You know, I have another best of the week, and that is our call of the week. It's time for the call of the week. I feel like our next guest needs no introduction, but we're thrilled to be joined by Texans and NFL beat reporter for the Houston Chronicle, John McClain, who's making his second appearance on the CMB Fantasy Football Podcast. John is a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame Selection Committee. He can be heard locally each Tuesday and Friday on the Midday 180 on Nashville's 104.5 The Zone. John, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. Hey, let's start quickly with a tweet from you on July 23rd. This is at McLean underscore on underscore NFL says, I'm unhappy to announce I'll begin Texans camp on PUP. Got a new left shoulder last week after suffering four fractures and a dislocation. Also have a dislocated big toe. We'll miss two weeks in West Virginia. John, let us know briefly what happened, if you don't mind, and how's your recovery going? My recovery is going great, other than the fact I can't fly, can't drive, can't type, other than one finger on my cell phone. Uh, During the Hall of Fame weekend, I was writing about Robert Brazil, the Oilers, outside linebacker who was inducted so I was doing everything with one finger on the cell I wouldn't recommend it when you have to write a long story uh I can't do anything with my left arm I had shoulder replacement surgery then I had a new bone put in from my shoulder down to my elbow and I'm still in a boot and uh but I can do talk shows I can watch listen eat my wife has to drive me Everywhere I was at, I'd come back from Nashville for most in a fundraiser with Mike Vrabel and John Robinson. I was in the garage at Houston Airport, credit card machine, ate my credit card and my ticket. I got out to go look for a attendant and I wasn't paying attention and I either hit a curb or a speed bump and went flying and came down on my shoulder, but I'm doing really well. Three weeks ago, tomorrow was the surgery, and I got another three weeks to go. Well, hey, we really appreciate appreciate you coming on while you're on the men. Sure. And although you're not at training camp with the Texans, uh, from Chronicle reports and, and what you're hearing out of West Virginia, how does Deshaun Watson look uh, as he starts the season this year? One of the things I've noticed when you're not at camp, you spend more time paying attention to camp. It's the first time I haven't been in a camp. My first one was 1977 with the Oilers, and by – reading a Chronicle, our website, listening to my radio station. The uh, Texans have a really good website, too. So there's no shortage of information. Plus, I've talked to people up there. Deshaun Watson looks really good. They opened the preseason at Kansas City. He'll probably have about a half a cup of coffee, play a few plays, and that's it. And uh, probably guessing might all be pass plays because they just wanted – one of the things they wanted to work with in the camp – 
is to make sure about his on-field rapport with his receivers, which was great when he was healthy last year. If the season started Sunday at New England, you know, he would play the whole game because there's not anything he can't do. Are you expecting the same Deshaun Watson we all saw during weeks you know, two through seven last year when he was just on fire? I'm not going to say that would be impossible, but I think those expectations, which all Texans fans have, I think it would be kind of unrealistic because let's think about it. He, uh, he threw 19 touchdown passes, the fastest 19 touchdown passes of any quarterback in history. He was on a pace for 43 touchdown passes and six touchdowns rushing. He led the league, even in his seven games, six starts, 9.2 yard average down the field in his six starts he averaged 34 points in his last five starts he averaged 39 in his four games in which he played with both starting receivers DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller they averaged 40.5 points so I'm going to say no I don't expect him to pick up where he left off and be that sensational well with a healthy Watson back what should we expect out of this year's Texans receiving core I think that uh, DeAndre Hopkins is always going to be great. He led the NFL in touchdown catches last year. His touchdown catches averaged 18 yards. Now, Will Fuller was the big surprise. He suffered a broken shoulder in training camp and didn't play early in the year. That's why the four games that he played with Watson, he caught 13 passes. Seven were for touchdowns. Those touchdowns averaged 28 yards. And so if Fuller stays healthy, and he's added about 10 pounds of, in uh, the offseason working religiously on the weight program because they want him to beef up a little bit. Beefing up for him is get up 185, 186 pounds. And because he's so fast, he always requires double coverage. He didn't drop any passes. He, I can think of several he dropped for Brock Osweiler when Brock had hit him wide open behind the secondary and he dropped it. Well, when he played for Watson, not one drop. It was only four games. But for no drops for Fuller, that was surprising because his hands were an issue at Notre Dame and his hands were an issue with the Texans. So those two guys, along with their slot receiver, Bruce Ellington, and their rookie receiver, Kiki QT, a fourth-round pick from Texas Tech, who impressed him in the offseason program in camp. But he's got a hamstring injury to keep him out a few weeks. So they've got their top four receivers, and I'm in a decent running game. Bill O'Brien runs a lot, but they're going to throw it. They don't just dump it off of ev evidence by his 9.2 yards per attempt that would have led the league. So they're going to throw the ball. And of the 19 touchdowns you mentioned that Watson threw last season and, and just those seven games, only one was to a tight end. That was to Ryan Griffin in that thriller you know, in New England during week three. What fantasy value do you expect from Watson's tight ends this season? They've got four that I think are going to make the team, barring injury. That would be Ryan Griffin. Ryan Griffin, if he could stay healthy, I think he would be really good. But he's only had one healthy season. He caught 50 passes sharing time with starter C.J. Fedorowicz, who had to retire because of concussions. But Griffin was hurt half of last year. And you know, there's not much you can do about a concussion, no matter how much the NFL tries. Guys are still going to have them, and if Griffin has them, he'll be out, and then they'll have to rely on two rookies and Steven Anderson, who's really more of an H-back. And they drafted 
Jordan Aikens in the third round, Jordan Thomas in the sixth. I don't Aikens is the best receiver. Thomas is the best blocker. But when you've got wideouts like they do, I think the only tight end I really see catching a lot of balls is Ryan Griffin. Ryan's 6'6", 260. He can run. He can catch, catch the ball down the middle. But he's had that one issue of staying healthy, just like C.J. Fedorowicz did. Yeah, and moving to the running backs, you know, Deontay Foreman missed the final six games last season with that ruptured Achilles. What's the latest on his recovery, and how cautious should fantasy owners be to take a chance on him this year? I would be very cautious because it is hard for a running back to come back from a ruptured Achilles tendon, especially the first year. They said throughout the offseason program they expected him to be ready for the first game. In truth, nobody has a clue about a rehab like that. And they put him on active PUP. Uh, counts against the roster. They don't have to make a decision until the roster is reduced from 90 to 53. I'm going to say he's not going to go on PUP. They're going to carry him, and he's going to miss a couple of games. But even when he comes back, they're not going to just throw him to the wolves. They're very lucky to have Lamar Miller. Everybody's making a big deal out of Miller getting down from about 225, 228 to 217. He's never been the breakaway back with the Texans as he was at Miami. Nothing. No long runs. I think a 40-yarder was his longest. He's a really good receiver. He had six touchdowns last year. But I don't see when they get inside the 10, maybe the 5, I can see them putting the ball in Watson's hands and Watson running or Watson throwing. So I'm not I'm not bullish on the Texans running backs as long as it's just Miller and Alfred Blue. And I'm not so sure when Foreman comes back, if he's going to be productive, it'd be over the second half of the season. Yeah, and Lamar Miller currently has the third highest base salary in the league among running backs. So it's, it's hard to argue that he's lived up to that big contract. Do you see a scenario where maybe he loses that number one spot this season when, when Foreman returns? If Foreman had been healthy, yes. But I don't, I, I don't see it. One reason they like Miller, and they don't make any decisions based on money here. They haven't that I can remember uh, unless they were right up against the cap and they're, they're not, they rolled over a lot of money, but Miller is a good receiver. He's an excellent blocker. He's a smart blocker that sets him ahead of Deontay Foreman who didn't have to catch, didn't have to block at the university of Texas. Now he had a few catches early and did well. He's a willing blocker, but that's why Miller has that starting job. So I could see Foreman when he's a hundred percent getting more carries and especially close to the goal line, but I do not see him this season coming off a ruptured Achilles tendon and beating out Lamar Miller. John, one of our favorite segments we do is called No Thanks, where we declare a player or a roster spot we want nothing to do with in fantasy for the upcoming season. Last year when we had you on, you picked any Texans quarterback as your No Thanks player because of Bill O'Brien's history of benching his starters. So although Watson was the best fantasy quarterback for a small stretch last year, he played less than half of the season because of his torn ACL. So you weren't technically wrong. Um, so who are you saying no thanks to this year? Let's see. No thanks to, I would say, their tight ends because of their inability to stay healthy and because of two of them being draft choices in the third and sixth round. There are just so many more options for Deshaun Watson to throw to besides the tight ends. So those are the ones, as when it comes to fantasy football, I would say no to them. I have more confidence in Lamar Miller 
than I do to score than I do the tight ends. And then if Deontay Foreman is healthy over the second half of the season, then I then I think he would. I think the two running backs I could see combined for ten touchdowns. I don't see the tight ends combining for ten touchdowns over the next three seasons. So if we could just get it one time on the podcast, John McLean saying no thank you to the Texans tight end group. No thank you. All right. Hey, John, before we part ways, on kind of a personal note, I wanted to share something with you, John. My Uncle Steve, he lived in Cyprus for many years, and he was an avid fantasy football player, Texans fan. He was a Houston Chronicle reader. And when you came on our podcast last summer, he was like a proud dad. He was telling everyone he knew that his <laughs> nephew got to talk to the general. I mean, he was so happy. And, you know, kind of a, a sad note here, he, you know, he suddenly, a couple of months ago, was, was diagnosed with cancer and ended up passing away just a few weeks back. And so, I just I wish he could have heard this conversation we had tonight, and I hope you know just how big of an impact you've had on sports fans in Houston. I really appreciate you coming on. That's one of the coolest things anybody's ever said to me. I can't tell you how honored I am to know that he felt that way. I'm so sorry what happened to him, but uh, I really do appreciate him listening and reading through the years. Well, I appreciate it, John. And, and once again, that was John McLean of the Houston Chronicle. Follow him on Twitter, at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. Read his work this season, John. Thanks again. Hope you're back on the sideline soon. Anytime. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Once again, that was John McLean of the Houston Chronicle. Zach, our second time having John on the podcast. And I thought the first time went really well, being our first time having a, a special guest like that. But this one felt a little bit more special. That was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's just uh, – he's just – that's – I don't know. I'm at a loss for words because he's just such a good interview. And uh, that's just really cool for him to come on our podcast. And just some great insight, you know. Um, I don't know. Just, just really good. Well, it's like you think you're going to out-interview him. You know, you, you have all this – like I I'd mentioned that Deshaun threw 19 touchdowns in seven games. And it's like he has that memorized. You know, it's all in his head, ready to yeah. go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Poor guy's got, you know, all these injuries. And Hall of Fame weekend, he's only able to type with one finger. Whew. I'd be trying some uh, voice-to-text stuff and then editing it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and it's funny, too. He's mentioned before, I've heard him on radio in the last couple of weeks talking about how, you know, there's, there's players that play for the Texans that have had shoulder injuries, and you never really could empathize with them until, you know, he had this injury. Yes, yeah. I mean, th- those guys, you know, they're not tripping and falling in the parking lot of a parking garage, uh, unfortunately. But, you know, for John, really, I don't know, just such a great guest to have on and, and really appreciate him joining the show. Yeah, absolutely. And with that, let's take a trip around the league. Let's take a trip around the league. Let's start with some NFL news here like we always do. Zach, uh, this news comes out of Green Bay where Aaron Rodgers was not happy today in training camp. Uh, Did you see this, Zach? Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I missed this. So Aaron Rodgers noted that his – receivers the young receivers in particular uh were giving a piss poor effort during training camp and the quote said here he says i think it is one of the worst carded sessions we've ever had rogers said i don't know how you can make it simpler you literally have what the play would be in our terminology of the card and the effort level was very low so aaron Rodgers is calling out his receivers a lot of them are young um he's clearly been upset ever since the packers cut jordy nelson uh back in march after he spent 10 seasons with the packers Zach, what are you uh, reading into this Aaron Rodgers situation? What do you expect from him this season? From Aaron Rodgers? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess he wants some more out of him. I think he's just – I don't think he's too happy um, 
with the Packers, especially after trading some of the players and stuff like that. So uh, I don't know. It'd be interesting. I mean, you look at his receivers and behind Randall Cobb, who's 27 years old, each of the Packers receivers are 25 years and younger. I mean, this is a young group. Yeah. And behind Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams, of course, who we know, here's the rest of the Packers receiving core. And Zach, let me know. Stop me if you've heard any of these names. All right. Trevor Davis, uh, Geronimo, Geronimo Allison, Jamon Moore, Jake Kumanro, D'Angelo Yancey, and Equinemius St. Brown. Over under three names that you've heard of. Um, I didn't stop you, so yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I just I don't know, you know what that offense is going to look like this year. Some of their running backs are you know, hurt and suspended, so it's going to be strange to see what happens uh, in Green Bay this year. Um, but, Zach, do you have something? No, 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 keep going. I've got, I've got something here in a minute. Keep going. All right, so next bit of news here. The Pittsburgh Steelers expect Antonio Brown back after Thursday's preseason opener with the Eagles. This was news we talked about last week. There was, uh, you know, Antonio Brown went down in, in training camp. Small injury like we suspected. So Jake Standifer can sleep well tonight. Yeah, he's, he's uh, hoping that he's going to fall to him at, what, 12? So Yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, probably not. Zach, what was your, uh, what was your news? Uh, did you see where Kelvin Benjamin threw Cam Newton under the bus? Yes, I did see this. And, yeah. man, a lot of it is just Kelvin Benjamin being overweight, right? <laughs> I don't know. Let me read the, let me read the uh, question and the answer really quick for those that haven't heard this. Uh, the question was, the last play of your college career, you caught a touchdown to win the national title for Florida State with 13 seconds left. Then you set the rookie receiving record for Carolina. Things turned in 2015. How would you assess your career since your rookie season? Kelvin Benjamin says, I mean, I felt like I would have been even more successful if, I don't know, man, if, if I would have, looking back on it, I should have just been drafted by somebody else. I should have never went to Carolina. Truly, I think Carolina was bad for me. It was a bad fit from the get-go. If you would have put me with any other quarterback, let's be real, you know what I'm saying, any other accurate quarterback like Rodgers, Eli Manning, or Big Ben, anybody, quarterbacks with knowledge that know how to place a ball and give you a better chance to catch the ball, it just felt like I wasn't in that position. Wow. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say about that. I, I just can't. That's, yeah. I'll be interested to see what uh, Cam Newton says, if anything, back. So I would imagine yeah. he'll say something. This, this kind of reminds me of, remember back in 2010, we didn't have a podcast back then, of course, but I do remember this being a part of the league. Uh, back in 2010, the Buffalo Bills receiver, uh, Stevie Johnson, I think it was, remember he dropped that pass when they lost the game uh, against Pittsburgh, and yes. Stevie Johnson blamed God for dropping the pass? <laughs> didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, so this this kind of reminds me of that. It's like, dude, like point the finger at yourself a little bit, man. Like you've you've got some issues yourself. Yeah. But let's let's stick with receivers here and let's move on to Cleveland. Cleveland can't catch a break at the wide receiver position. Um, you know, it was announced on Sunday that the Browns traded Corey Coleman. Uh, Corey Coleman, the first round receiver from 2016, is the 15th overall pick that year. Traded to Buffalo. For a seventh round pick in 2020, Zach, how crazy is this? This is a guy that we probably, I want to say a couple of years ago, was taken in the first five rounds of our league. 
Yeah, I feel like I took him last year, you know, decently early in one of the the two drafts that I do. I think it was the other league. And um, it was just a total bust. I think I heard somewhere on one of the shows, it might have been the DP show, but they were saying how all the first-round picks recently for the Browns from so many years, you know, oh, yeah. lasted maybe two point, you know, three years or something like that. So, I mean, it's just – the people they're picking is terrible or the position, I don't know. But it's just all these first-round picks they have are just busts. I mean, he was the 15th overall pick in 2016. Keep in mind, the Browns traded back that year from number two overall with Philadelphia, and that was the year that the Eagles picked Carson Wentz. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just, you know, it baffles me, the mistakes that they've made. Hopefully, you know, they can turn it around, GM John Dorsey, but they just can't catch a break. Uh, there's there's one receiver they traded away. Another bit of news here, Josh Gordon, who really hasn't played a full season in about three or four years, he remains on the did-not-report list. This, uh, you know, I read on, on Pro Football Talk, but um, as of this evening, you know, on August 7th, he still hasn't shown. Uh, he's working on his overall health and treatment plan. Zach, would you put Josh Gordon on your no-thanks list? Yeah, for right now, for sure. Um, this is kind of, I don't know, you got to be worried at this point and I'll be interested to see or hear if something shows up on hard knocks about this. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I know the Corey Coleman stuff. So hard knocks debuts uh, tonight. I think it actually just debuted on HBO, but I do know there was some footage of Corey Coleman leaving the Browns that made its way on hard knocks. Yeah. Well, they picked the Um, right team for hard knocks this year because I mean, Oh, absolutely. A lot of drama already. And the drama, I hope, that makes its way to Hard Knocks is this next bit here. Another receiver for the Cleveland Browns, Antonio Callaway, cited for marijuana possession and an expired license. This is per Tony Grossi of ESPN Cleveland. Come on, who hasn't done that? (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I mean, so, Zach, the Browns drafted Callaway out of the University of Florida with the fifth pick in the fourth round in this year's draft after he missed all of last season for marijuana possession and he was connected to that credit card scheme at the University of Florida, again, who hasn't done that. Um, there were a lot of red flags before this guy was even picked. Yeah. And so according to Mary Kay Cabot of Cleveland.com, Callaway said he recently had his car shipped from Cleveland to Florida, and he didn't realize there was marijuana still in the car. Yeah. Again, again this has happened to everyone, right? Right. And I heard he said somebody threw the bag in there or something. Yeah, I mean, every person has that same excuse. It's just, I just, I don't know. I mean, like, it just gets worse for this guy. And this news drops just one day after the Browns released their first preseason death chart, and it had Callaway listed at the top next to Jarvis Landry. So he was at the top of the death chart. Oh, man. So assuming that, you know, this red flag just gets redder and, and this situation gets worse, you have Jarvis Landry as the number one receiver, obviously, in Cleveland. Followed by Rashard Higgins and Jeff Janis. That's who's left. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, man, I don't know what to tell you, Rob and Jeff Gaw, but it, it just when you when you seem to think that the Browns are getting better, it's like two steps forward, fifteen steps back. Yeah, we may need to get them on for a comment on this situation. Yeah, I would like that for sure, and I would also like to say that Callaway is the new Kenny Britt. But at least Kenny Britt waited a few seasons before he got caught with the devil's lettuce. You know what I mean? (laughs) 
Um, but in, in another receiver that's related to the Browns. So after all of this, they, they, I don't know if they've reopened conversation, but the dialogue around the league right now is that the Browns have remained interested in Des Bryant. Zach, you think that happens now, or do you still think Des goes somewhere else? I think I saw somewhere where they still have room to make a bigger offer to Des, and he's just they think he's just waiting until you know they up the offer for him to even consider or show up or whatever for negotiations. So um, I think it's possible, but they've got to offer more money, obviously. Yeah, I just I feel like he's waiting too long at this point, man. He's kind of shot himself in the foot. Yep, yep. But, uh, you know, Zach, we covered the entire NFC, uh, all the divisions we ranked to the different position groups. Let's move into the AFC and talk a little bit about the AFC West as we do our positional rankings and we preview that division. Zach, this is a division that has seen a lot of change. You know, we talked about the two quarterbacks who are new to the division. Um, Mahomes, not new, but the new starter uh, with Kansas City. And then Case Keenum um, shipped during the offseason to Denver. Zach, where would you rank these four quarterbacks being uh, Phillip Rivers, Mahomes, Carr, and Keenum in no order? Okay, I guess I would go first with Keenum, then Rivers, Carr, Mahomes. Really? Yeah. Man, I had I had Keenum last. Um, do you, why do you have Keenum so high, would you say? Uh, just because he had a good year last year. Um, yeah, he's, he's hot. Yeah, and but I mean the the bad thing is it, it is a new team, but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. What was yours? So I, I had Rivers, Mahomes, Carr, and then Keenum, and so the reason I had Rivers first, it's it's not as safe a bet without Hunter Henry, of course, their tight end who tore his ACL and is out for the year. But you know Rivers always finds a way to find his receivers. You know he, he was the eighth best quarterback in a CMB in 2017 with uh, 28 touchdowns and just 10 picks. So I always like Philip Rivers. He's always kind of a, a conservative QB to take. Um, the next guy here, Patrick Mahomes. I don't know what it is. I just feel good about Mahomes for some reason. He's he's not the same player as Alex Smith, of course, but if he can replicate what Smith did last season in that same offense, he should be a top 15 fantasy quarterback. You know, he's got a top three tight end in Travis Kelsey, which is always something, you know, a young quarterback can rely on. Um, where did you have Carr? Third? Yeah, third. That's where I had him as well, and and I put I put uh, Derek Carr at third just because you know last season he was the 17th ranked quarterback in our league after being an MVP candidate in 2016. So I think we see that same regression this year. I just I don't see him getting any better. John Gruden has said himself that he wants the Oakland offense to play like it's 1998, which that really does you know Derek Carr no favors. Right. Um, last one here I had Keenum. I just, you know, this guy has no help whatsoever in Denver right now. The Broncos have one of the youngest O-lines in the NFL. And we talked a couple of podcasts ago about how Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, they're coming off their worst season since 2013. So it's going to take a lot for Keenum to kind of rally the troops and and get, you know, Denver's offense back to where it was, you know, three, four seasons ago. I just don't see it this year. Okay. Uh, Where where are you at with the running backs? Where would you rank them? Uh, I guess – uh, Team-wise, you got to give it to the, the Chiefs first with Kareem Hunt. Although, man, last year that was just so weird. He started off so strong, and then 
I don't know what the deal was. You know, it's just like he wasn't being used. Andy Reid. I mean, I don't know, but it, it was definitely a conspiracy against Greg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, th- that's exactly what Greg would say. But uh, right. so I, I'll go Chiefs first, and then Chargers with Melvin Gordon, who I think Rish had last year, maybe. Right. Uh, and then go with the Raiders with uh, Mr. Skittles, Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> And then uh, who's left? The Broncos, which we don't even know. Devontae Booker or they had C.J. Anderson last year. I mean, I don't know. I guess it's going to be Devontae Booker this year. So, Yeah, and I think Booker was on. He was listed as the first running back on their first official depth chart. But that ranking that you just had is exactly how I had it. Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, Broncos. So here's a nice little factoid from last season. Kareem Hunt was the fourth-ranked running back in our league last year. The fifth-ranked, Melvin Gordon. So this division brings back two of the top five rece- uh, running backs from last season. Wow. Um, you talked about Mr. Skittles, Marshawn Lynch. I just don't see it, man. And, and I, I know I'm a little biased because I got burned by him last year. I took him kind of early, like fourth or fifth round. You know, he's a 32-year-old running back with more miles on him than that 2004 runner I just bought. Um, and, you know, Doug Martin, I, I think Doug Martin ends up being the starter by the end of the season. You know, he's a lower-risk guy than Marshawn. He's got more pass-catching abilities, so kind of TBD there with, uh, with the Raiders. And like you mentioned with the Broncos, it's, it's so hard to tell with them what they're ever going to do. Yeah. Receivers, though, Zach, where do you lay out the, uh, those four teams and, and the rankings of receivers? This one's kind of tricky. I think this could be – Yep. Um, you could change this around. But I, I'll say uh, I'm going to give it to – the Broncos first, just just based off of talent, what they have with Demarius and Emmanuel Sanders, and then they're adding in um, the rookie uh, Sutton. Mm-hmm. So I'd give it to the Broncos starting off, and then I'm going to put the Chiefs in after that. Uh, we all know what Tyreek Hill is capable of, and then they added uh, Sammy Watkins this offseason, so I'm going to put them at two. And then um, – this one's tough. I, I don't know whether to put the Raiders or the Chargers here. Uh, but I guess talent-wise, I'm going to go with the Raiders just because Amari Cooper, Jordy Nelson, and then Martavis Bryant, your boy. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, they've got the capability to be just a great group. You know, that's a lot of talent there. If Jordy's still got it, if Amari Cooper can turn this around, and if Martavius can stay out of trouble – um, that's a great uh, group to throw the ball to. And then the Chargers, you got Keenan Allen, and then uh, you got – it seems like just long ball guys with, you know, Williams and Benjamin. So Keenan's great if he can stay healthy. I mean, you know that, obviously. Um, right. So that's what I'm going to put, Broncos, Chiefs, Raiders, Chargers. Yeah, you're a lot higher on, on Keenum, I guess, than I am. Maybe H&F should draft Keenum, kind of put your money where your mouth is. Wait, who? Keenum? Case, Case Keenum. Oh, Case Keenum, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you had the Broncos first, but I just I put them last, and I just I'm so low on the Broncos this year. Like I mentioned about Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders having two of their worst seasons. You know that they, they did they drafted Cortland Sutton out of SMU, so I don't know. We we've seen what rookie wide receivers can do. It's generally not a lot, but the rankings that I had here, I had Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, Broncos. I like the Chiefs top two here with Tyree Kill and Sammy Watkins if he can stay healthy. Uh, and then you, have to, you also have to add in, too, I mean, when we talk about receiving core and we talk about 
pass catching. We're, we're, we're also include tight ends and, and running backs. And so Travis Kelsey mentioned earlier, second best tight end in the league that helps out the chiefs a lot. Um, and then, you know, Phillip rivers is going to throw the ball regardless. He's going to, he will probably throw 35, 40 times a game. So I'm, I'm a lot higher on the chiefs and Chargers I think than you are. And then the Raiders, this is like the all-star team of 2013, you know, Jordy Nelson, Martavis Bryant, uh, Amari Cooper drafted in 15, but still, I mean, this is kind of a, this feels like a, an older group, you know, they lost, um, Michael Crabtree. Yeah. But I just, I, I feel like, uh, this is kind of an older group, but I still rate them higher than the Broncos. Okay. Zach, what would you say is the, uh, the strongest position group of any of the teams of that we just talked about? Um, me, I go chiefs running backs group. What would you say? Yeah. Yeah. I probably agree with that. It's uh, I don't think this division is as deep as some of the other ones we've talked about in the past. You know, the NFC South, it's hard to get deeper than that group with the Saints and the Falcons. But, uh, you know, I would say there's some talent here. I, I, don't, I don't know if, um, you know, we, I don't want to talk about IDPs too much, but I think this is a strong division for IDPs. You've got, oh. like guys, like, you've got guys like Joey Bosa and Vaughn Miller, Khalil Mack. I mean, this is a, a great group for, for IDP talent. But if Khalil Mack shows up. Exactly. Exactly. So – that completes our AFC West preview. We will move to another division to be determined next week. Zach, do you like doing these? And you feel like it's kind of a easy exercise? I mean, yeah, no, I enjoy it. And uh, hopefully everybody else does too. All right. Hey, that wraps up this episode. Zach, oh, let's hold on. Wait, wait. I got one more yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Just some league news real quick before we leave. If you guys can, be sure to get your names into Suggs. He's doing the logos. And so I know we've had a pretty good turnout on that, but if you guys can, um, if you have not commented, even if it's the same one, um, just comment on the Facebook group and let Matt know that uh, what your team name is going to be. And also for the guys that have co-managers this year, um, you, you need to go ahead and if you can, just go ahead and add them to the league. You just click on my team on our league page on Yahoo and then click on edit team info and there will be a spot there for you to send an invite to a co-manager. All right, CMB League News. Guys, send in your team names for this year to Matt so we can make those logos. Zach, do you have a Tweet of the Week? Um, no. Do you have a Tweet of the Week? Tweet of the Week. I've got to change that. I'm sorry. It's going to take me some time to get used to that. I've got to change it back. I'm really sorry. Uh, man, did you just ask me if I had a tweet of the week? I always have a tweet of the week. That's true. You did. You did. Uh, this, comes, this tweet comes from at David DTSS, David Dennis Jr. Uh, weird Twitter name, but he is verified. Great tweet. This says, burned alive as a child in the fire that killed his parents and thought dead for decades. Lost the ability to speak. Accused of murder. You follow me, Zach? Found out he had a different father than his brother. Overcame that to become a mayor. We stand a politician who defines the odds. And there's a photo of the wrestler, Kane, who oh. was elected the mayor of Knox County. It's amazing. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Okay, I've got a tweet of the week. I've got one. All right. So, I don't know if you saw this, but Sports Center sent out a happy birthday wish to Scott Van Pelt. And he, <laughs> and he writes back, thanks. It's not my birthday. And oh man! Five point four K 
you know, likes, but that pretty much just uh, sums up the state of, of ESPN right now. I mean, can't even get Scott Van Pelt's birthday right. Man, they're becoming such a punching bag. It's, really I feel are. like that, hap- that happens too often. Like, like knowing someone's birthday is like an easily verifiable thing, wouldn't you think? <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, but, man, speaking of Kane being elected mayor of Knox County, that's that's where Jake Stanford lives. We need to have Jake come on, give his uh, annual preseason mock. Yes, and that's coming out. Um, let's see here. I've got it on the schedule on the hopefully the week of the 20th, whenever we do that podcast that week. We have a podcast schedule? <laughs> well, yeah, we do. So. Oh, wow. News to me. All right. <laughs> Is that breaking just, news? Is that where I hit the breaking breaking news? <laughs> But uh, yeah, Jake's Jake's preparing, so that'll be something good for everybody to listen to. That's great. Um, you know, as they're driving in for the the draft on the thirty first. All right, episode eighty seven. Thanks again to John McLean for joining us. You know, John from the Houston Chronicle. We did a trip around the league, and we talked to the AFC West. Did a little preview there. Zach, have anything else before we part ways? Nope. Be sure to get your uh, names into Suggs. All right. Till next time. That's a W. That's E1.